Check, check, check. Where's Brando? The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. James, and that's it. No Brando. He is he is lost in space. Okay, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast with your host James and a digitally recreated Brando who is still off in Madagascar. And we have a special episode for you this week. This is kind of a uh, a collection of a bunch of different episodes over the last year or so that we've done, which kind of is going to highlight who we are and what we've been doing, so to say. Some of the fun ones, some of the serious ones, kind of getting into the gist of what we do on this show. Now, the last time Brando was out of town, I just did a little reading out of uh, an old Great Lakes shipwrecks and survival book just to give you guys something to, to listen to uh, and it was a, it was a short one it um it went over like a weak freighter with a damaged hull on the great storm of 1913 so i decided i better not do that again so i figured let's let's put together a little show that kind of captures a little bit of everything we've been doing over the last year or so uh recap some of the shows Give you guys a couple of highlights of some of the fun ones that I remember. uh, Some of the more educational ones that I remember as well. And hopefully uh, this will turn into a little bit of a conversation with you guys. You can write in and email us, you know, the ones that that I missed. What were your favorite shows over the the last year? What were some of your favorite conversations? The funny ones, the serious ones, the ones you really learned something from, something that you've implemented into your dive in today the funny ones that you still can't uh, stop laughing at so please send us an email send us a facebook and uh create some conversation there and let us know what those memorable ones were for you seeing as brando's not here he can't tell me not to give you guys a little plug for rating and reviewing us on itunes we know how important that is uh it really helps out our show helps it uh to be found so if, if you could just take a couple of minutes and do that. It would be a huge help for us. You just got to click the rate and review, log in, and um, say something nice about us. We really appreciate that. Also, if you could help spread the word for the show, we would be greatly appreciative of getting this show out to some more people. So post on your Facebook or social media of choice a little share of one of your favorite shows and say, hey, give this a listen. Share that out with some friends. And dive buddies, we would really appreciate that. If you could uh, help spread the word to four or five of your dive buddies, it would be a big help for us. But let's get on to this show. So so when we started the show, 
Brando and I had been dive buddies for many years. Had done a lot of Great Lakes shipwreck diving together. A lot of road trips, a lot of dive boats, a lot of pubs after diving, laughing, telling stories, cracking jokes. And we figured putting together this podcast would be a, a great way for us to get a chance to recapture some of that emotion and passion and, and love for what we do. And I think we've done a pretty decent job at it. Uh, it's I think in some respects it's come out actually a lot better than what we thought. A lot of people early on weren't sure, you know, if we'd be able to keep this show going for, you know, even a full year. And uh, we've, I think we've done pretty good at that. Um, creating interesting topics um, that have spanned the realm of education and history and current events. Interesting stories that are going on on the internet. Current articles out there in diving magazines today. Magazines from the past looking at the the diver's mind from a couple of decades ago versus today. And we've been able to wrap uh, a bit of uh, fun and humor in there as well to try to keep the show entertaining. Early on, we decided to bring in a concept of the big fish. We tried to bring in a concept of a big fish. And our first big fish that we thought of was good old Jacques Cousteau. And any scuba diver that gets into that really gets into it, at some point you're going to have to cross paths with the historical figure of good old Jockey. And for us, growing up uh, as kids, you know, both of us remember good old Jacques Cousteau was definitely an influence on us early on for wanting to get into that underwater world. So when we brought him in, this is when we uh, started evolving the show a little bit with rather than just talking with each other casually in a conversation about the show, we started to put in a little bit more research, started to get into actual getting into some readings of his works on the show, started playing around with adding some uh, backtracking music and cracking some other jokes and, and just having some fun. So join us in this little uh, revisit to the good old Jacques episode. And again, send us your suggestions on some of these uh, favorites that you really liked.
This next one, we took a current magazine article out of Dive Training Magazine and uh, made some jokes about this all-white cover that Dive Training Magazine put out with the black and white rules of diving. And this was one that both Brandon and I really enjoyed because this magazine validated a little bit of what we were saying, which was question the industry, ask questions. Don't just take all these rules as if they were carved in stone and sent down from the gods. And it really was a great way to start to create some new discussion and create some new conversation. All the while, you know, the, the focus being making diving safer and getting people to think so that we all can grow and we all can become better divers. So revisit this one with us. Another episode that we really enjoyed was the Dingoes, Divers, and DCS episode, where we took the story of a gal who got bent on a dive. It was all over the news, all over the internet, lots of, lots of discussion on it, lots of comments all over the place on it, and created for a, a really interesting story. We had a lot of uh, fun cracking Australian jokes in that episode. Uh, at the root of it, you know, we were trying to come up, we were trying to get the listener to walk away with the understanding that there, there's a better system out there when you become a diver that's complete and consistent and holistic, that's going to keep you on track rather than the issues that we see too often of people getting the bare basic minimum that they can to get underwater and then they take that in the future into realms where it doesn't really apply anymore and then they have to keep making changes with either their equipment or their education so have a listen to this one again
People get the idea that participating in those discussions should be from a viewpoint of you weren't there, and you, you know to make all these assumptions is not good. And to maybe put yourself in the in the path of could I see myself making these same decisions, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm sure Amy didn't leave on holiday saying, "How can I spend the rest of my six months in a hospital bed, unable to walk or well, pee myself?" I was say, you could pee yourself, but well, not pee that's my, the problem is she not can't pee, pee myself, <laughs> but pee. On my own, yes. you know, when I want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Nobody, well, nobody goes out saying, "I'm going to get in an accident. I'm going to die today." I, you know, I'm going to make a stupid mistake. Nobody says that ever. But right. and this is where you know, good education, far beyond the, the basic classes, is going to start to get you thinking like this. You know, a, a good critical thinking class that puts you in critical situations. It's not just we need to check off skills X, Y, and Z, but put you on a, on a path to being able to really critically think. Once you realize you're really into diving, right, and you've got your, you know, your advanced master diver card or whatever it is, and then you've, you come to these situations where you still have questions in your head, you're going to realize that there is training out there that goes beyond this big box follow the dive master class. Well, that I, I go back to, you know, all of my training or all of my diving career up to a certain point that whole, I'm missing something, I'm missing something, there's something not right, there's something missing out of this diving education, and you can feel it, you know that it's not there. You know, both in the water, you know, uh, the uh, right. the human factor stuff is, is gaining big awareness in the industry right now, as rightfully should. Huge. Getting you to, to think mm-hmm. beyond just what just happened, thinking through the system, and there's diving education, you know, you know that teaches, you know, what, what we call the essentials, of those real solid building blocks of balance, buoyancy, trim, body mechanics, awareness, thinking, organization, teamwork in the water. And it addresses equipment and equipment choices. You know, not yeah, necessarily from a, from a complete, names, but... complete holistic right that and looks at the big picture together. and not just take another class, buy another piece, take another class, buy another piece. Get rid another... of the gimmicks. I mean, you can see looking at accidents and li- things like this from a viewpoint of having this education that we have. It's a completely, it's a completely different situation. You're looking at it like, I can see how it happened, and it's extremely clear that there's a training issue, there's an education issue. Okay, one of my favorite episodes was the Playboy episode when we did the Hugh Hefner Scooby Doo episode. Not just because. Brandon and I got to look at Playboy magazine for for research purposes on the on the prep for the show, but it really brought together exactly the vision that I had with where the Great Dive Podcast could go: current events, historical perspective, having fun, being educational, bringing in new information mixed with the old, kind of bringing everything all together research in there reading from an official piece it was really a fun fun show to do and we had a, a lot of fun you know cracking jokes on each other on that one it was a blast a chance to look at some old vintage dive gear and some boobies thrown in along the way it made for a lot of fun for us so give this one a go
For us, when we came to episode 14, we ended up looking at a couple of different articles that had been circulating the web and a bunch of the different forums and Facebook groups. And we decided to to tackle them. There was a few of them that shared a a certain general sentiment that we had been looking at at the time. Most of which, you know, was talking about, you know, the confidence of divers and divers not being able or divers not coming out of their training, especially their open water training, confident divers. And we, we started making the, the point of that open water certification in reality, the way it is structured today, being a 30-foot certification and that, that divers, you know, walk out of that class really thinking that they're better prepared than they are. And in, the, uh, in that uh, episode, we, we really took a look at an old article from uh, Aquapore Magazine, uh, Blueprint for Survival 2.0, that uh, went, back, went back in time a couple of decades. But overall, we were trying to share an idea that it's practice in the water, training, good education, 
and spending the time building the experience, which is what's going to really get you to that high level of confidence and ability in the water, not just buying better gear and, and purchasing your way into safety.
So after episode 14, we got some feedback. And the feedback and the feedback was mostly from instructors talking about you know finding that line between doing your job as an instructor and the boss looking over at you telling you we got to get all these people certified in a cost-effective way versus producing the high quality student that you want to put out and we we talked about how you know most instructors out there really believe that they are doing a good job and they want to put out the best quality student that they can but the fact of the matter is you're only you're only as smart as what you've been taught. We know that every instructor that's out there believes they're doing their best and they want to put out the best quality student and they want to put out the safest possible diver. But many of the, but many of the instructors out there have been pushed through a system themselves. You know, they, they went from open water to advance that next weekend and a weekend after that they became rescue divers and they did you know a, a, a long weekend down in the Bahamas and they came back they did their dive master you know within a year and within a, you know in a hundred dives they've gone from an open water diver they've gone from knowing nothing about scuba to being an instructor and they don't have that experience to draw from and they're just recreating the same old program that they were given.
So that was so this was episode 15, which we actually called episode 14.1 cuz it kind of continued on. The next week we put out a third part, episode 14.2. It was our first three-parter that we did. And this one was really three different episodes, 14, 15, and 16. We called them 14, 14.1 and 14.2. And in 14.2, we got talking about the you don't know what you don't know article. And we spent a lot of time talking about awareness and managing your awareness and thinking underwater rather than instead of waiting for warning signals from your equipment, beeping computers and whatnot.
Okay, so let's get back into some fun stuff. One of my favorite episodes was the Bearded Mermaid of Apple Island. Now, this was a little adventure that Brando and I went on last year uh, out on a local inland lake here where we're from. They, uh, they've got a, there's a private island that you can only go out to once a year when they do these tours. And there's an old, old Native American legend that surrounds this island of, of an Indian maiden. And there's a ghost story in there. And, uh, we went out to explore and look for this old sunken canoe and see if we could get something to relate back to this old poem of Menesigorning. But early, I mean, this was this was early on in what we were doing, and you know, for me, it was really what what I wanted to do with this podcast. With again, some history, some cool stories, divings involved. Brando and I had a, a, a ton of laughs doing it. Uh, this one really, really had everything that uh, really had everything that TGDP was going to evolve into.
Now, one of my favorite things to do is to look through old magazines. I really dig flipping through old magazine articles from from decades ago, and you know, I've, I'm lucky enough to have some access to some of these really old scuba magazines, really from you know, like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. I find it really fun to compare some of the stories back then uh, with today, what we're doing different, what's still happening that's the same, how the thinking has changed or how the thinking hasn't changed. In this episode, we went back to some old skin divers from 20 years ago, and they used to have an article at the end of the magazine titled, I learned about diving from that dot, dot, dot. And we visited a couple of these, and I hope we're going to do a couple of more of them because I really enjoyed it. Um, again, we, we base a lot of the show around the feedback that we get from you guys. So if you guys enjoy us going through those, shoot us little uh, messages and let us know the things you do like. Let us know the things you don't like, and uh, we'll keep tailoring the show around you guys. But this one was fun. Is it uh, ultimately really uh, got us to explain what is the difference between a teammate in the water versus just getting a buddy in the water it goes to the whole it's not thought out at all really 
the balanced rig wading thing, it should be an eye-opener for everybody. You need to be able to stay at 15 feet at the end of the dive with no gas, and you need to be able to get up at the beginning of the dive from the bottom. You should be able to swim up. In case people don't know what a balanced rig is, because I know a lot of people don't. They think it's balanced in the sense of pitch and trim and roll. And yeah, yeah, I got you, I got and, you. And that's not the case. That's that's a different kind of balance and trim. That has not to do with your overall weighting so much. Okay. I want, to, I want, I I want, a, I want a light day. bulb to go, yeah, because yeah, I remember well, I, it. That light bulb going, oh, wow. That's what balance rig means because you'd go out on the forums and people would be talking about balance rig. And I'm I'm trying to balance my rig, but I I keep being, you know, fin heavy. And I'm like, that's not what we're talking about. My second mistake was losing track of my buddy. During the last 10 years, I had considered buddies a nuisance. And this is this is a, a huge holdover that still exists today is people go through their initial training and they're all, everybody's all taught that you have to dive with a dive buddy, but nobody's taught how to dive with a mm-hmm. teammate in the water. It's just you gotta have a buddy. You gotta have a buddy. Stay close. You guys are buddies. Stay together. Be buddies. Yeah. You lose each other. Well, nobody taught me how to be a buddy. I just taught you how to be a buddy. Just be a buddy. <laughs> That's the buddy training that, that still exists today in every single scuba class. Well, I like to also teach them that if their girl dumps them, give them some consolation. That's a true buddy. That's a real buddy. But you know what I mean? It's, well, I, that is the, 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 the essence real essence of, of what, a, what a typical scuba buddy is. Yeah, He's the guy buddy. that you're looking at pictures with and signing log books yeah. with after the dive is over. Mm-hmm. There's no time spent in training to talk about how, how, to, to, stay how to stay together, how to organize your positioning, how to signal when different signaling is passive is communication. Difficult. Any of that I mean, stuff you're, is, they're showing is, a couple oh, of hand signals. So if yes. you're looking right dead on at each other, you can go, are you cold? I'm okay. They have no other way to but stay that's together. But com- that's not communication. It. No. <laughs> What's communication? Well, communication is. Did you see the turtle? <laughs> Sign language, yes. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to go down that road. Although, I, and then it goes down. You lead, I follow, oh, yeah. and that's the last signal that's ever given. Right. See you back at the boat. <laughs> See, and if you get to the boat before me, I'll meet you at the pub. So the issue is learning to become a teammate in the water, and and finding training that's going to teach you to really be a teammate. And you can, and w- when you know that and you have that, then you can translate that into diving in a three, mm-hmm. like we talked about in last, the, in week, last yes. week. Right, which correlate it correlates death. well because you've got three people who understand teamwork in the water, not just three people who are told that they have to have a buddy and scuba diving at the same time. Right, right. Since that dive, he added six pounds to his belt. Not seven. No. <laughs> not eight. Not five. Six. Problem solved. Maybe, maybe not. The question, exactly. the, the question still isn't answered though. Are, is was six the right amount? Because Thank so you. many people yes. just grab. I need. <laughs> Grab a couple more pounds, and, mm-hmm. and, and they again, they hope that it's okay, and they'll use that right. once again until it's not, and they go, Yeah, they'll use that for every different <laughs> bottle they have. I think a better way to have addressed this or to have written this column is say, Well, to address my waiting situation, I went and learned how to properly weight myself. <laughs> right? right? I went I went in with empty tanks and five feet of water and you know, checked my buoyancy. On second dives, I strapped six more pounds onto the tanks. On second dives? Because he's what he's doing is he's diving those same twins. those twin eighties. He's doing two dives on him, so he's not really technical. What if he diving. runs? What if he runs completely out of gas on the first dive? Correct, and like I agree with you. So this is this so is the really issue. Didn't so that learn he didn't learn anything, right? So, 
But I mean, this thinking is still shows up on dive boats today. Well, the, again, we're getting to the root of much of this. I learned about diving from that. Yes, and like when he switched to his reserve tank that was at zero. I mean, I, I've seen that firsthand yes. on dive yes. boats with people switching with over, ponies. you know, breathing yeah, they're, they're the, pon- ponies, the yeah. back mount pony bottle and suck it empty because they thought they were on there. Or they forgot to check it. They didn't. Yeah. It didn't yeah. go through. I mean, a it happen, check. happens all the time. Or they're slinging it and they don't check it. Or so you're adding it's leaking gas the whole time. You're yeah. adding a, a a piece of gear to take care of a problem, but it's it's, it's not, not addressing even the addressing real the real problem. The real problem is there. up in you know between the ears. He says, in hindsight, I should have graduated the fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so he said, in hindsight. I should have passed my safety line through the rail and held it in my hand for a controlled ascent. But hindsight is always twenty twenty. Well, hold on. You wouldn't have even needed that line had you been properly weighted. So the real problem was the weighting. The real problem was a loss of buoyancy in the sense of you could not achieve neutral buoyancy. You failed at the one biggest rule that you and I preach is you're in control of your buoyancy at all times. Right. And the, his issue wasn't that at the end of the dive, he couldn't tie the line because he was too buoyant to the rail to use the line <laughs> right. to hold himself no. and control himself up. The problem is he got in the water unprepared. Right. Well, the problem is you don't need a line to control your buoyancy. You should never need a line to control your buoyancy. Should I hesitate to say nevers, okay, because upwelling is stupid, silly things. But at the end of the day... He was his buoyancy was whacked. He had no buoyancy control, and I meant even going up, right? Right, and, and, and that control. stems from uh, an improperly weighted rig. Right, Improper, his, his gear is not planning. properly yes. set, and so that's the root problem of a lot of this. I mean, not the not the monitoring the gas, but it is at the root problem of oh, I should have looped my my real line to go up. You wouldn't have needed that line if you were weighted correctly. You would have came out, said, oh, crap. Right, and, and, and that's a Hail Mary. Yeah. Because right? he even said, Hail, yes. even said in there that, uh, you know, he tried to get his line around the rail, but he couldn't because he was shaking so badly. So so he missed it anyways. Was so, he cold? Shaking well, he was just shaking in, in fear, fear and nervous okay. and anxiety. So he tried to loop it around, him, but, he, but he missed it. Yeah. So he was corking up to yeah. the surface, right? So having, like, a last-ditch Hail Mary effort isn't a solution to well, the, to it, the it, ascent problem. Yes. The ascent problem is pure buoyancy. Now, I, I'll give credit where credit is due. And he does mention... He writes well, or did the editor do that? <laughs> I'll give credit where credit is due. And, and this, is, this is something that, despite all these issues, that you can't take away from a lot of these old-time divers that have been diving for decades, is they've got a ton of deep-rooted experience which has allowed them to come into some bad situations like this and he mentions that what he had done right was that he didn't panic and a lot of these old guys they can keep their cool they can keep a cool head and i I give them that and that's definitely true because if this was somebody new and it was their third dry suit dive and their Mm -hmm. third dive in the great lakes they wouldn't have had decades of experience to, to draw back on right to just tough out the situation because that's the the old the old way was tough it out tough it out you know there's something and that, to be that, said for yeah, that I that mean, was the old learning cycle and that's where this guy was stuck and again this is 20 years ago yeah. so he was in that tail end of the really really old thinking the the new 
ideologies are just now coming into play. But let me also point out this, and this is something that's left scuba training, is a lot of training devices have been eliminated that were there in order to teach confidence. They were in. They were put in via the military, in there because that's where the scuba training stems from. The military training does a lot, not just with scuba, but with almost everything. Is they do a lot of what people would call harassment kind of training, things like that, that don't really have a practical in the sense of, oh, it's not learning to clear my mask. What is teaching you is confidence that you can basically handle anything that's thrown at you, and you'll be able to get through it. Stay okay. calm. Stay, stay keep, focused. Keep that cool head, yes. Yep. Rip your mask off. Rip the, you know, all of the stuff that I know you and I have had a little bit of that training, right? Does it do anything practical-wise? No, you already know how to clear your mask. You don't need someone to rip it off, but in reality, that's how a mask, ha- that's how it happens. It's sure, sure, off. sure. It's sure. caught on something. And, but it's all... But you keep I'm your cool with head. You. I'm with yeah. you. But the problem, I think, where a lot of the training went was it, it went right to that you got to get in there and just beat everybody up and rip their masks off and 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 I think I that was it, I think that was perception. I don't believe that's I mean that's how the military is perceived now and they're trying to soften it up. That stuff saves lives. Sure, they want everybody but, to but pass. In, okay, they're starting to get the, that same in mentality. The, in the dive education model, they've got to there's you've got to be ready for that. Yeah. Right. And in, in so much, I that's think it's I think it's highly now. I think I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's highly valuable, but. If the if the diver themselves is still struggling with pulling off a good mask clear and a good mask removal and replacement and controlling the buoyancy, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't do it then, right? But, but they've but, got so you've got to. That's where like real training comes in is you, you learn this art of being able to really master your balance and your control and your buoyancy minute. in the water. So what you're saying is you master all the skills and then you you put them through a little bit of a more training duh duh i no. agree i agree that's what that's what i do that's what you yeah, do i know it this stuff but, is... uh, but a lot of the training is just eh. you, you clear your mask once that's called mastery right? right and then they get their open water card and they can't figure out why when it's kicked off or booted off their face they these people blow to the surface well they blow to the surface because they don't know how to clear the mask they weren't kneeling on the bottom with an instructor in front of their face Telling them to open and you know fl- flood their ma- mask and clear it. They weren't. That wasn't what was happening in real life. In real life, you know, bad things happen to good people. Right. If you don't prepare them for it, shame on you. Yeah. R- knowing how to clear your mask isn't doing it negatively, buoyant on the bottom of the pool right. and with perfect demonstration quality skills. Knowing how to clear and your someone mask. Someone coming up to you going, being, "Hey, flood your mask," because right. that's it's being able the, to do the it neutrally buoyant. That, that kicks your mask off doesn't ask you first. Son of a bitch, I'm sick of these dolphins. All right, well, anybody who knows me knows that uh, I'm an old horror movie fan, and I've got skulls everywhere in my office, along with pirate flags and jaws and Creature from the Black Lagoon posters, so it would be of no surprise that when we did the Halloween episode that I was going to find a way to have some fun with that. And uh, doing all the doing all the silly internet stories, boy, did we have a good time putting that one together for you guys. Again, it was a little on the silly side, but uh, we we did always say that we wanna we wanna mix this up with fun, along with some education. And again, that's really what we're trying to do on this show is put out a put out a good show that you guys can enjoy listening to, that'll put a smile on your face, but it'll also get you thinking. 
and we'll also make you smarter and better and more competent divers. And hopefully we'll uh, see you guys around the water one of these days.
Okay, gang, I really appreciate you uh, listening to me and this little bit of a historical recap show. I hope you enjoyed it. It was fun to put together. It was, a, it was fun to sit back and, and listen to some of these shows again. You know, we've got so much going on. You know, uh, I listened to that finished product after we put it out, which is hours of work. You know, we, uh, we record for a couple of hours. It usually takes us a good half hour or so just to get into a groove. And then we record for an hour and a half or two. And then we, uh, you know, there's bathroom breaks in there and coffee refills in there that we, you know, we get... We edit all that out and clean it up for you guys. That's hours of more work. So that finished product is always a fun one for us to listen to as well as you guys. But then we're right back at it for uh, for next week. So it's hard to sit back and, and really soak it in. So this has been fun to go back through and play around with some of these. I know I've missed a bunch of really, really good ones. I wish I had the time to really sit back and listen to nearly 60 of these, which is virtually impossible for me to do right now but please do so yourselves send us an email send us a comment on our website thegreatdivepodcast.com or on our facebook page you know get a discussion going over there of what your favorites are something that you really like something that you thought was really funny to hear let us know while brando's away he can't interrupt me so i'm gonna go ahead and uh Give a push for you guys to rate and review us over at iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever it is you happen to be listening to us. Please take a minute and just give us a little uh, five-star rating, a quick little review. Just take you a couple of minutes. Brando will be back next week. We're going to get into some fun stuff for you guys. Those of you on uh, Patreon, we have some video plans that we're hoping to put up over there. Uh, So when Brando gets back into town, we're going to get working on that for you guys. Stay tuned over there. I've got a couple of spots left for that Munising Dive Charter, June 16th and 17th. If you're interested in joining us, shoot me an email. I think there's uh, two spots left. But on that note, safe diving, folks. I don't have anybody to sign my logbook today, but luckily, Brando left his stamper. So hang on a second. There we go. And uh, signed by Brando. Lucky me. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Safe diving. Buenos nachos. Love, Sammy.